At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. This is a podcast from Minute Media. The Lakers Legacy Podcast episode you're about to listen to is brought to you by the Fansided Sports Network, the ultimate home for fans. And by lakeshowlife.com, Fansided's official Lakers website. Make sure to check out lakeshowlife.com for all the latest Lakers news, rumors, and opinion pieces. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at LakersLegacyPod, and also please consider dropping us a five-star rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. It truly is the best way to support us. And now, on with the showtime. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where real, tangible, non-bubble Lakers basketball with a full set of fans is finally here. And through one preseason game, though two of the big three were out, as well as Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza, judging by Lakers Nation's collective excitement, you wouldn't have been able to tell the difference as the young kids, a.k.a. the Monastery, Friar Tucker, Monk, and Nunn, gave Lakers fans a lot to pray about and hope for. Because as we all know now, Uptown Monk gon' give it to ya. Don't believe me? Well, you know, just watch. I'm your host, Jonathan <laughs> Hernandez. I am joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, what do you got cooking in your microwave? Um, I got some Kendrick Nunn <laughs> cooking. In your microwave? He is a microwave? No, he's the he's the microwave himself. And he's no, Malik, cooking up Malik some... Monk is the microwave, Alan. You're getting your your nicknames all mixed up at the start of this. <laughs> it's preseason. It's preseason for us as well, Mid-season podcasting form. <laughs> okay, but tell me like specifically when it comes to literal food, what it, what's the most recent thing that you've uh, microwaved? Oh, um gosh. Well, yesterday was my mom's birthday, so shout out to my mama, uh, we didn't microwave anything because you Happy know birthday, we Mrs. got Riley. like, yeah, thank you, appreciate that. She appreciates that too. <laughs> um, so no microwaving yesterday at all. Just like eating really great food. What was that saying? I microwaved. Um, I'll just say soup, even though that's a lie because I can't even remember. 
Last thing okay. I microwaved was soup. That's all right. I microwaved potatoes and white chicken breast. So very boring. Not that exciting. Damn, but, healthy you know, ass guy. I know it gets the job done. I'm <laughs> was trying it to sweet do... potatoes. <laughs> no, it was just like kind of the roasted potato. So it is a little bit more healthier than usual. Uh, but to be fair, half half of that white chicken breast went to the dog. So. I mean, it is what it is, but let's stop talking about microwaves and let's talk about the microwave, Malik Monk, because he was cooking many a Brooklyn net last night or yesterday. Uh, Alan, preseason basketball, we did not get the LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony version yet, which was we were highly anticipating. But in some senses, because this team is so new, like I mentioned, it was still exciting. And in a lot of ways, the... Taylor Horton Tucker, Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, medium three, as I like to call them. Nice. They were almost like the opening act, right, in a concert. Opening act to the main headline, main headliner, which we'll hopefully get on Wednesday. But as far as amateur opening acts go, still a lot of litty things to be had and get hyped about. Um, so what are some of the just general game observations and stray thoughts that first jumped out to you after watching yesterday's game uh first thing is ad looks huge he, he looks does. deandre jordan look small in some way mm-hmm. he made barbecue chicken of paul Millsap. granted paul Millsap's older guy he's undersized anyway but dude ad he looks taller too and i, I think it's because like he's kind of growing like some type of fro right now but he looks wider and it's not even just his shoulders like i feel like his entire base like his core is just bigger in general Mm -hmm. um it's almost like there's a magnifying glass on my television when i'm watching him run up and down the floor like i'm gonna have to watch some highlights from last season and just get that visual comparison um so that is something that stood out to me obviously we can talk about like before you move on to anthony davis i i want to co-sign that because he looked massive to me but at the same time and maybe because recency bias the last movements i remember from anthony davis were him limping around in the playoffs but so he's naturally just going to move look better than that and move well but even in spite of him looking as like beefed up as he was i thought he was particularly spry and active still like still that same slithery perimeter agile like anthony davis but now with added bulk to him which was you know considering that you considerably beefed and bulked up the fact that he was still able to do the anthony davis things that he typically does i think is still pretty impressive and he was moving well look he only had one rebound uh and zero blocks but it seemed like he was just trying to get some wind beneath him and you know get some beneath get himself wings. into yeah <laughs> wind beneath his wings exactly <laughs> he's the wind beneath our wings but um but no, he looked good for sure. In the 11 minutes that he played, which was just the first quarter, he played next to DeAndre Jordan, so we didn't necessarily get to see AD starting at the five, but I think there was a unit in there somewhere at the end of the first where he was the sole five. My biggest takeaway is he just looked healthy. So, uh, But go on with any other observations you had. No, yeah, you're, you're totally right, though. I was going to say, you know, he obviously was aggressive to start, had the and one, um, and a lot of times, you know, we would feel like, if there was physical contact, we're all kind of holding our breath, hoping that one of his legs <laughs> doesn't get all twisted up and he doesn't fall yeah. awkwardly and things like that. But he looked really solid. And I get it. It's literally like one play where he got pushed off. But um, to to kind of touch back on what you were saying about how active he looked and how healthy he was, 
Um, we don't know how many pounds he added, if any. We're pretty sure that he did. Uh, it didn't look like it was a hindrance on so many of the things that are actually his strengths, though, which is something that, you know, you worry about if someone is trying to put some weight on. It's like, oh, shoot, but what if that detracts from something else that they do? So, um, he did look like himself, absolutely, but just new and improved all around. So, that was really exciting. And then, uh, I mean, the other notes are pretty obvious, you know, like you said, Malik Monk obviously was uh, tearing it up out there, really asserting himself, being um, like, I'm going to call my own number, you know, basically, and I'm just going to go get buckets. Uh, I felt like Kendrick Nunn, obviously, he had a couple moments as well. Like, that's why I was saying, like, he's like a microwave type yeah, player, too. So, no, if anything, was. Monk was like the oven, right? Or he's <laughs> the air fryer. <laughs> and then Kendrick Nunn oh, yeah. yesterday was like the microwave. So, all these different kitchen appliances uh, we got going on here. I like that. Um, the air yeah. fryer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so before we get into, like, more of the individual guys, I guess as a whole, and, you know, it's hard to glean anything from an incomplete Lakers roster without the two main two other main guys plus Carmelo Anthony and Trevor Ariza. But I guess in general, as a team, like, did you feel anything different in contrast to, you know, last year? And I guess this lends to picking apart Kendrick Nunn and, you know, Malik Monk's game. But in, in addition to that, even just adding a guy like Kent Bazemore and Wayne Ellington, for me, the biggest thing that stood out to me that was jar jarring was so many creators. It's creators galore, guys who could dribble the ball, you know, the one perimeter guy who couldn't dribble the ball was Wayne Ellington, but even he off the ball was running around like a lunatic, you know, getting to his spots and not hesitating when he got the ball off those curls and just pulling up. Maybe he took a dribble or two, but he shot that thing with confidence. You know, he didn't shoot too well. I think he was, what is it? You know, At two one of point seven I know he was like three, three for nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, it's that fun. shot, he's confident in it. And I think the biggest thing is he knows who he is, right? He knows yep. he's going to take that shot and it's just a matter of it eventually falling. And but but no, the biggest thing for me was like, wow, you could swing it to any random perimeter dude and they can hit a pull-up jump shot, they can yeah. take it into the lane or they can create. And that goes again for a guy like Kent Bazemore, like he had one of the, one of our first most exciting assists where it was semi-transition, he got it in the baseline and then quickly lobbed it to DeAndre Jordan, right? And then I think in the third quarter he started to finally get going off of that like 35-foot three-point heave that he took the next play down I think he you know took a screen and like very calmly drilled like a mid-range jump shot off the dribble right and then he had yeah. another steal and then threw it down to Wayne Ellington for a transition bucket it's like that and that's the least of our playmakers because you know Monk and Nunn stole the show but the fact that you could go down the line and you're like yeah toss it to anybody these days and they can do something with the ball in late shot clock situations you know so right. anything to say about that or anything else you observed yeah i <clears throat> i literally wrote down ellington coming off screens and just shooting the ball is so nice to see like <laughs> that is not a normal thing that we would have witnessed last year it's like okay so who can do you know something for us like kcp pretty much it kuzma like streaky right that's a guy that we hoped he would be but with ellington Again, like you said, regardless of how inefficient he was, right, from behind the arc, it's fine. Like, that's – it makes sense and you're confident in that. And we just had a lot of guys who are able to actually play to their strengths. It makes a lot of sense. You feel comfortable when you're watching them. And mm -hmm. another thing that was comforting to see was, like, okay, I know defensively obviously wasn't a great game, but – 
there are enough like flashes here and there of that verticality that we were so yeah. sorely missing down in the paint. You got Dwight Howard going straight up, even though Dwight ended up fouling out, but whatever, it's fine. He was excited. He was juiced up. But the one that stands out in my mind is when he goes straight up, Bazemore goes up too, and he blocks the shot, mm. right? And there was just some actual resistance at the rim, even if it was just in some small dosages. And um, yeah, it was just nice to see those flashes. And hopefully that's promising for, you know, what's to come. Yeah, even DeAndre Jordan, you know, three blocks. We know he's not, right, he's, yeah. he's cooked on the perimeter, but you want him to just protect the rim when guys are like trying to take little soft floaters and make sure that they feel that deterrence, right? And DeAndre Jordan did that. And okay, so what else? I think the one thing that I we're missing currently though is, and it, this makes sense because Russell Westbrook's not out there. LeBron James isn't out there, but I've, it's crazy that we got to see the creativity of this team with all the primary creators and stuff uh, without two of our best primary creators in LeBron and Westbrook. But the other thing on top of that is we still didn't get to see the uh, frenetic run the ball down your throats, fast nine, fast 10, your seatbelts Lakers, right? Where they're forcing the issue. Fast furious goes fast to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> the, the fast and the fury, yes, Westbrook. Um, Russ West, yeah, th- that that works. Fury he, Russ, Fury, Fury Russ, Russ, Russ exactly. <laughs> so we didn't even get to see that yet because there were a couple times where we'd push it in semi transition and Tht would get it, and then you'd see him like pull it back at the three point line, right? Or none would do it, or maybe he'd take like a pull up three point shot or whatever. But we didn't get to see, yo, it's so relentless, and the 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 Nets can't breathe yet. We didn't physically impose ourselves. Yet, which makes sense because our most physically imposing ball handlers in Westbrook and LeBron James were out, right? So I think that's even something to look forward to uh, coming up Wednesday if they play. So, which, which I felt like they needed to push the pace better, but again, there are reasons why that didn't happen. Um, and it makes sense that they were a little bit tentative to all out, you know, do that, I guess. Um, okay, let's talk about some maybe issues or negative things that you saw. You mentioned the defense, which, you know, it's going to be a work in progress all season, but for sure, without our, our main guys, that's going to be the case. I think the one thing in relation to defense is we just needed to better collectively defensive rebound more. I mean, it's especially in the first half, I think. I think we kind of were a little bit more snappy and quick to the ball when, you know, more muck it up guys like, you know, Austin Reeves came in, who we can talk about later. Um, but at least in the first half, um, our rebounding wasn't great, and DeAndre Jordan wasn't too amazing in that aspect. Um, but were there, was there anything else that stood out to you in terms of any work-in-progress things? Which, again, will asterisk because the work-in-progress may shore itself out or work itself out when Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, or Reason, Mello are, are in. So, Yeah, I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I wasn't watching with the most critical eye. Sure. Like, when I look at my notes that I actually took right now, they're like 99% positive. It was like every little good thing that happened. I was like, all right, notable. That was nice. That was cool. That was cool. I wasn't like picking apart as many things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's just like typical stuff. Like, Dwight had a lot of chances on offensive rebounds till I put it back in, but, you know, it was falling short. You could chalk that up to timing being off. Just got to get his legs under him and, you know, that whole thing. Um, but you just hope that he finishes those and isn't, like, as rushed. But, you know, Dwight's a guy that gets super amped up, and sometimes that's for better or for worse. Um, defensively, yeah, like, guys kind of getting cooked out on the perimeter, like Wayne Ellington. Yeah, he's going to get yeah, beat off bad. the dribble, <laughs> like, 
all the freaking time, you know? And, okay, fine, you got a scheme then defensively how we're going to try to cover that up, you know, put him in different spots on the floor where you could kind of hide him. Or, I mean, that's why you have your last line of defense, you know, down in the paint. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have a whole lot to add in terms of, like, legitimate concerns. Yeah, I mean, those were pretty much my main points as it pertained to defense. Like, Wayne Ellington just... I mean, he can't guard guys on the perimeter. It's as simple as that. He was getting cooked by a rookie, Cam Johnson. Granted, Cam Johnson is known for being this, again, microwave-type scorer like a J.R. Smith, but he's a rookie, right? You'd think, you'd hope Wayne Ellington with his veteran savviness would, would be a, a little better impediment, but he wasn't. But maybe, again, that's also scheme-related, given the fact that we knew Wayne Ellington wasn't going to be a good defender, but the fact that we didn't have our full arsenal probably made him look even worse, right? And then... The bad defensive rebounding, I guess I'll also add, you know, DeAndre Jordan looked a little bit, and I mentioned this on Twitter, he looked a little bit Andre Drummondy in terms of the butterfingers um, <clears throat> and being slow to gather and not being as explosive to get rebounds. So I think that's something we'll have to just remember about DeAndre Jordan whenever he has those flashes where he does look a little bit like JaVale McGee with those blocks, right, and the helpline defense, that... In totality, though, he's a little bit of JaVale and Drummond as it pertains to their bad aspects, too, because the reason why he's not JaVale McGee at this stage of his career is because he's starting to morph into Andre Drummond with regards to lead-footedness, slow gathering. Not You can't, like, do that quick second jump anymore, right? It's so sad. Andre Drummond, who's, like, so many years younger than JaVale and Andre, <laughs> he's slowly morphing into this Drummond guy. I know. <laughs> Right. So so there's those are some of the bad. But again, that sort of gets mitigated by the fact that when our main guys are here and AD actually starts at the five or plays more of the five, I'm not even sure DeAndre Jordan gets the minutes that he got last night. Right. Um, And then the last thing I'll say, and we can get into it once we talk about him later, but, you know, THT still a little wild OC, but he's working the kinks out. And yeah, I mean, that's as far as I'll go with negatives, because again, it's hard to truly sift through analysis here when it comes to pros and cons. And it's better to just see the positive flashes that we saw. Uh, So with that said, we're going to keep this episode nice and swift. We'll take it to break. And when we return, we'll talk about individual standout players a little bit more. So we will catch you after the turn. Autumn's in the air. The pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure that you don't carve your pants pumpkins when you're grooming, if you know what I'm saying. So make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand new fourth generation performance package. Boys, get ready for a cuffing season like no other. Ready to take the leap into fall with Manscaped? Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Now I'm sure I don't need to recount to you guys about that one time I tried to pull this one white stray hair I had down there, but in the midst of doing so, I ended up pulling out my back trying to take that white hair out. And let's just say, it hurt a pumpkin spice latte. So how did I fix all of that white hair mess? Well, I did it with Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. Make your balls a priority this fall. 
Choose Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. All right, Alan, before we get to the standout players and talking about individual guys, what are some additional standout plays uh, from your end that kind of got you out of your seat or made you even like stroke your chin a little bit and go, hmm, I'll start with the uh, Taylor Horton Tucker dunk, which I'm calling oh, the, the George Jefferson moving on up dunk because that's what Taylor <laughs> Horton Tucker's haircut reminds me of. Honestly, the I for the longest while I've been Gotta like, shape it a little differently. Who does Taylor Horton Tucker look like right now? And then I was like, oh yeah, George Jefferson, because the hair is kind of like coming out on the sides there. The forehead's yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> more pronounced than it should be. But you know, it doesn't <laughs> matter when he's moving on up, Alan, because I think that was literally like the second field goal of the game. We were down like seventeen three or something, and then all of a yeah. sudden, Tht cuts into the lane and out of nowhere, knifes it behind his head and slams it down with frost. You saw Russell Westbrook, LeBron James get up off their feet. Uh, It was just like an electrifying moment. And, you know, we were talking about Anthony Davis's, how buff and bulky Anthony Davis is. But Taylor Horton Tucker, he slimmed down this season. And I felt like regardless of his out-of-control forays into the paint, you could tell he was moving a lot swifter and slitherier than he typically does in the lane. And I think that should only help with plays like him just getting off of one foot or two feet and hammering down those dunks in traffic. So any other plays that stood out to you? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> even though like Stu Lance kind of crapped all over that particular possession, there's the one where Kendrick Nunn did like a couple different crossover, different mm-hmm. combinations on Bruce Brown and took yep. it, you know, into the paint for the layup. Um, just the shiftiness, the craftiness. He's that lefty, right? Who it's going to look a little bit odd and awkward. It's kind of difficult to defend. But, um, again, going back to that, like, microwave, toaster oven, whatever you want to call it, uh, kind of a metaphor. Like, (laughs) (laughs) like that's what he is, right? Um, you can just bank on him to get a bucket whenever you need it. And, um, again, we were in like desperate need of guys like that last year who could just Mm kind of bail you out. Right. Um, and just seeing that really stood out to me. I was like, Oh shoot. Like he just put him on skates right there. Well, that was off semi transition too, because he got someone else got the rebound, gave him the ball and he took it pretty much took it like 85 feet. And without even looking to anybody else, he just started putting the jukes on Bruce Brown into the, you know, it is a little bit Schroeder-esque, right? But for some reason, and maybe, again, this is recency bias. <laughs> but it was just better. <laughs> I'm like, I just felt more comfortable, you know? I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm cool with that. That's exactly what Schroeder would do, but it was fine. <laughs> yeah, and I think so. I think up until that point, he was trying to get himself into a groove. And I think in his second shift, he started to really, like you said, get start to started to heat up a little bit. Um I guess at this point, let's just move into, you know, let's talk about Nunn because I mentioned it to you before. He reminds me of like a taller version of Isaiah Thomas. And if you look at each one of his four field goals, it is very IT-esque in terms of we saw him do the transition pull-up three, which is what IT loved to do, except for him, he's like three, four inches taller than IT, right? So he took the transition three. He had that juke, you know, crossover, crossover into the nice, you know, soft lay-in into the paint. That's very ITS. He had another one where he was snaking the dribble uh, between screens and then pulled up for a mid-range jump shot. Another ITS type play. 
And then he had one where it was the uh, the floater that bounced in. I think he did like a behind-the-back crossover dribble into the middle that of the little, paint. Yeah, that little one-hand runner. That was sweet. That defi- Those floaters, th- that soft touch in the lane definitely reminds me of Isaiah Thomas. But again, to his advantage, he is taller than IT. So maybe he can even you know absorb contact a little better or be a little bit more confident with that shot. But I was just amazed by his craftiness, you know, and his comfortability out there that, you know, I made the joke about Schroeder or whatever, but for whatever reason, it just didn't feel as OC, you know, even though it was semi blinders, it also seemed like he had the whole court in context too, that he was keeping it in mind. And maybe that's just me adding some you know additional positive fluff into it. But yeah, I, I really liked what I saw from Kendrick Nunn, who also randomly had seven rebounds last night, which is great. Um, but in terms of when we when you talk about three level scoring, this goes for Monk as well. We literally saw all three levels of scoring from both of them, right? We saw can they take it into the paint? Ding. Can they shoot a mid range pull up jump shot? Ding. Can they shoot a three pointer? Ding. That's three levels of scoring, right? And none showed us all of that with some pretty impressive, crafty dribbling. So, anything else to say on none? Uh, no, I got nothing. But I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I think you know. We, we still don't know who's going to start at the two. And I'm not saying that Kendrick Nunn is going to, but just as far as like the preseason being an opportunity for the coaching staff to get a look at these guys, you know, where they're going to fit in, of course. Um, I think having this lens of these guys are trying to carve out their role as well, mm-hmm. uh, just to give more information for the staff to figure that sort of thing out is going to be really interesting to watch uh, as these preseason games go on. I think we can start to imagine uh, the types of lineups, right, and combinations of uh, what these guys are going to look like, how they're going to be most effective with each other. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's move on to the man of the hour, or the monk of the hour, Uptown Monk. <laughs> Malik Monk, he had, man, this is true microwave type stuff. In 21 minutes, 15 points, uh, 6 of 12 from the field, 3 of 6 from 3. In terms of standout plays, the buzzer beating three or end of shot clock, step back three-pointer that he hit where it looked like he just flicked it really quickly, kind of like a Steph Curry type shot. That was disgusting. But outside of that, you know, what I think what impressed me the most about Malik Monk's play was outside of that flashy move, everything else seemed very methodical and sound. Like he looked like a veteran out there, right? I was kind of like... Methodical Malik Monk. (laughs) Methodical Malik Monk. That's what a monk would do, right? He would be methodical. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It's all that meditation, you know? Um, no, but yeah, what impressed me about Monk is he looked like a veteran and maybe it's just the number 11 that's sticking out, but he reminded me a little bit of how you feel. Again, this is not a player comp, but he reminded me of Avery Bradley. You know, whenever Avery Bradley was out on the court, just like precise, solid dribbles into pull-up mid-range jump shots or threes, nothing too flashy. And the one play in particular that reminded me of Avery Bradley was when he took it off his own dribble drove it into the paint, stopped on a dime, pump faked, and then, you know, just took a little bank shot. That's so Avery Bradley-esque, you know what I mean? Did not travel, right? Could have easily dragged that pivot foot. So, yeah, it wasn't too rushed or anything like that. Very fundamentally sound and easy again to watch. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not comparing his game to Avery Bradley, although, you know, they do have the number similarity. And when Avery Bradley was coming out of high school, he was like a pretty insane dunker who won a bunch of dunk contests and stuff. And we didn't even get to see that aspect of Monk, right? The high-flying. But in terms of the, you just feel comfortable with that guy out there doing all the little things. And we also know 
that he has some flash to be shown as well as that step back three-point shot showed. And again, we still haven't seen him sky for a lob or like go into transition. I think he had one transition play into a layup where I think Westbrook gave him a little bit of you know grief for it. Uh, it was off the Austin Reeves, like long rebound. Austin Reeves like heaved it to him for the lay-in, which is another standout play of mine. But overall, Malik Monk, I mean, what a what a showing and what a you know unofficial debut for him. I think that first three-pointer that he took as well, it just his first two three-pointers, he just stepped to it, stepped into them with such ease that I was like, oh, all right, cool. So yeah, your thoughts yeah. on Malik Monk. <laughs> when you said it, your mind, it reminds me of another number eleven on the Lakers. I PTSD flash back to Wesley Johnson. Yeah, I know. And I, I know. was like, wait, 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 where is this going? Like, in terms of athleticism, which we didn't see yesterday, yeah, like, Wesley Johnson was freaking athletic. So, I mean, yeah, if we end up getting that, absolutely. He's, he's Wesley anyways. Johnson and Avery Bradley combined. The best parts of both. So there you go. <laughs> the That's a better player. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Um, yeah, I, I agree. Like, <clears throat> I think, um, unfortunately, Malik Monk... One of the first things we think about is Michael Jordan slapping him upside the head. You know what I mean? Like, not we, but, like, people in general. They're yeah. like, oh, yeah, he's that guy that, you know, whatever. Um, so even from that, there's, like, a little bit of a bad rap. Uh, just that one moment could uh, affect, like, his reputation in some type of way. But he was, like you just said, like, really under control. You felt at ease watching him. The things that he was doing made sense. Nothing was forced. Right, it came like in the flow of the offense. If he were to miss those shots, you wouldn't say, "Oh, those are bad shots." I mean, if he's taking a three-pointer where the defender's going under Dwight Howard's screen and giving him like four feet of space, like you expect that to go in, of course. And the fact that they did yesterday was great. If they don't go in, you still say that's a good shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was definitely a pleasure to see. Just like those little things happening, and um, even if it's like simple IQ type things. Uh, we were like maddeningly dis- we were like frustrated at times last year with those sorts of things not happening. Yeah, exactly. So when it comes to potentially starting him over a guy like Wayne Ellington, where do you stand? Do you have any strong feelings about that? Because at this point, I could see it either way. Because, and I'm sort of leaning towards keeping him off the bench because I saw the chemistry that he has with you know THT and Nunn and those guys having a little bit more free reign. I'm wondering, and I, I, we just mentioned what a veteran he seemed like and how he can do the little things. So in that sense, he would fit just as well with the starters, right? Doing those ancillary supplementary things. But I think you also want to see some of his upside as well. Not to, not to say that you won't, but I think if he comes off the bench, you'll get to see more of those step-back three-pointers or him driving the ball on his own and you know pump-faking and getting the shot. Whereas I don't see him doing that at all with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James you know, in the starting lineup where they will soak up more of the primary initiating possessions. But on the bench, when he sees like the young guns next to him, aka the Monastery, he'll have more free reign to, I think, be a little bit more creative and flash some of that upside. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. But if Frank Vogel decides to start him... That also makes sense to me. I see him working out in either scenario, and obviously he'd be a better defensive impediment than Wayne Ellington is. But yeah, your thoughts True. on that? No, those are really good points. I, you know, a lot of people have said so. Which player on the Lakers is going to get like no minutes? They're like, I could see Wayne Ellington getting some DNPs, or even Bazemore. You know, you you could throw out a bunch of the names actually. Um, but I I agree with you. I, I think that having Ellington start 
with LeBron, you know, surround him with shooters, you know, the whole thing, right? Like, how many times could he potentially find himself open in right. the corner? You know, we've heard the paint to great thing, you know, thrown out there a lot by Frank Vogel. So you got Westbrook um, and LeBron being able to dish it out to Wayne Ellington for, to be that spot up guy. Um, I like the idea of this bench mob, you know, that yeah. we've had in the past with Laker teams, like back in the day with. Jordan Farmar and like all of those guys, like, oh, those are like the young dudes that come in there for the second unit. They bring that energy. Um, we already saw a lot of that yesterday with these, the few young guys <laughs> that we have on the squad. So if I were leaning one way or the other, I would agree with you, but with the caveat that it could go either way, and I think it would it would work fine. So I think also if you're trying to get the most out of Wayne Ellington you probably start him too because he is such a different type of shooter than anybody else on our team as, as it pertains to being such an expert like off-ball player and catch-and-shoot player that you probably utilize him better with veterans like LeBron James and Russell Westbrook than you would if he's coming off the bench with guys who are a little bit more wild. You know what I'm saying? So in that sense, if you're trying to keep Ellington in the loop and get the most out of him, and get the most out of uh, Malik Monk. Maybe you keep it as it is right now. Or if you want, if you eventually phase Wayne Ellington out, you know, start Bazemore, but keep, you know, uh, Malik Monk off the bench. So that's kind of where I stand currently. Obviously, we have the ability to change our minds in the future with more data. Uh, let's talk about THT really quick because, you know, he had sort of an up and down game. We saw some of the, you know, Julius, early Julius Randle-esque forays <laughs> into the lane, kind of bumbling about and sort of forcing it and throwing some you know, errant passes. But again, when it comes to, we saw the three-point shot, right? Stepped calmly into it, knocked it down. We saw the athleticism, improved weight, just him, you know, hammering, down, hammering it down in traffic. Uh, we saw a really nice drive by him into a lay-in. And, you know, a bunch of other things he could have finished, he could have better finished at the rim. But the fact is, he's getting to the rim again very easily, and I think him slimming down should only help with that because it seems like he's getting into the creases a little better, is a little bit more slithery, and hopefully he begins to understand the court around him better and the players around him better. But for the most part, it was you know a, a decent showing by Taylor Horton Tucker, three assists, four rebounds, uh, ten points. Your thoughts on Taylor? Yeah, uh, I I would agree with that. I think uh, he may have looked like he was pressing a little bit at times, but. It wasn't like that OC, this guy is just trying to do way too much kind of thing, you know, where yeah. young young guys really want to show like what they've been doing in the offseason and um, it like detracts from what the team is trying to do. So I, I think he still stayed within himself. It was just a little bit of like rhythm and like decision making and that mm -hmm. type of thing. Um, but again, like the type of lineup that we're throwing out there, I mean, like these guys had to build their chemistry as well and know where each other is going to be on the floor and things like that. So, um, I think that, uh, what he did was fine and I I'm still looking for, like, I'm trying to think of how he looked on the defensive end. I think he had like one deflection, you know, mm -hmm. um, but there, there wasn't anything that stood out in particular to me. Uh, that's something that I'll be paying attention to on Wednesday against Phoenix is what he looks like, whether it's one-on-one -on -one defensively or as a team defender. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point for sure. Um, okay, you know, to close this episode, random stray thoughts or observations that you haven't brought up. In terms of defense, Austin Reeves, we know he's probably not going to get a lot of minutes, although, you know, anticipating this team 
blowing a lot of teams out and a lot of garbage time. You need to put guys out there. Reeves would be one of the first people to be thrown out there in garbage time situations. And, you know, you call it what it is with regards to all the funny memes about him being the next Alex Caruso. But honestly, I was very impressed with how solid he was defensively. And I guess this is a carryover from Summer League, but him just being able to plant his feet and not bite on pump fakes and just move his feet with the defender and then stand his ground. I mean, and then he had like a couple strips too. Um, so I don't know. Reeves felt very at home with regards to that gritty hustle garbage man type guy who also just plays naturally solid defense and thank God that he's, I think he's like six five too. So he has like the size and length to to fit that Alex Caruso mold. He's probably not as frenetic a defender for sure as Alex Caruso, but in terms of the want and will, totally there and sort of the fundamentals were there too. And then offensively, you know, he started off a little bit timid where he'd make some pretty nice drives and then try and randomly throw it into like kind of force passes, right? When he probably just should have taken the shot because he has most of those like mid-range floater, pull up mid-range in his bag. So it was nice to see him sort of, you know, settle down once he hit that 34-footer, you know, on the wing that looked very Kirk Heinrich-esque. I'm going to keep making this comp with uh, uh, Austin Reeves because he reminds me, and I know this is low-hanging fruit with all the white comps, but mm-hmm. Joe Ingles, uh, Kirk Heinrich, Svima Kailu, <laughs> Manu Ginobili, any of these guys, I could see him hitting at his Highest, highest ceiling. But, you know, jokes aside, Austin Reed is very solid. And I don't necessarily think he has, when it comes to offense, it feels like he can sort of do everything okay. You know, he's not bad at any one thing. You know, he can hit a pull up mid range jump shot. You know, he can hit the three. He can pass a little bit. Um, so I kind of like what I'm seeing from him. What about you? Yeah. I mean, he has a really smooth stroke, you know, um, that's, I think, going to be one of his calling cards. Uh, is like a catch-and-shoot type of guy, like you said. Um, I mean, he's already 23 years old, you know? So, like, how much? he's like two and a half, three-ish years older than THT is. Um, he transferred, right, to Oklahoma from, I forgot where he went to, uh, Wichita State University. Mm-hmm. And we know about, like, Wichita State players, right? Like, they actually have a pretty decent, like, pedigree in terms of having high IQ type of guys. So, um, and I... I think they said yesterday both of his parents played college basketball at like Arkansas or Arkansas State or something like that. So guy grew up with basketball. Um, and I think that he is someone who like understands how to play the game the right way, which is just another freaking cliche that we throw out all the time. <laughs> um, but in those garbage minutes, like you said, um, yeah, I, I think that he could surprisingly find himself in some positions to show off how he could be utilized uh, in actual meaningful minutes down the line if we need him. Yeah, exactly. And in Wichita, I think if you look at his college stats, you'll wonder how come in his last year of college, he only shot like 30% from three. It's because his role drastically shifted from when he was at Oklahoma versus Wichita, where at Wichita, he was like a strict Joe Harris type catch and shoot three point shooter. And if you look at his years there, he was shooting like 40% from three. When he went to Oklahoma, which is, I think, his last college stop, right? His most recent? Yeah, um, That's where he was tasked with being more of a primary ball handler, where they pretty much said, hey, you're Gordon Hayward, do stuff for us, you know? And so in that sense is, I think because of the role shift, he probably took more shots than he shouldn't have been taking, a lot more pull-up three-point jump shots off the dribble. He was just dribbling the ball a lot more. So he, he was out of that 
strictly J.J. Reddick, Kyle Korver, catch-and-shoot, three-point roll, and was more do-everything for us. And I think naturally his percentages kind of took a nosedive because he was doing it all the all the other things, trying to create for others, create for himself. And because he had such more reins or had, had more, a little bit more leash, uh, he probably, again, took a little bit more you know, ill-advised off-the-dribble three-point shots that he won't be taking in this context and scenario in the NBA, especially in his first few years. So I think we can look to his Wichita days and be like, oh, he knows how to play the supplementary role where he just catches the ball and lets it fly. And then on He's defense... He's not going to have the same usage rate. Exactly. He's not going to have the same usage rate for sure. But you probably now know why he's been called Hillbilly Kobe because at Oklahoma, they asked him to be Hillbilly Kobe. So there you go. Um, With that said, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, We are looking forward to the headliner on Wednesday, hopefully. And we hope to see Russell Westbrook suit up, LeBron James suit up, Carmelo Anthony. That's going to be a lot of fun. It's so crazy that we can say we're waiting for all these guys to suit up like the iterations this team has and the combos and possibilities kind of just blow my mind. It is very much like, I'd almost say like two headliners. I wouldn't even call the opening act to have like Nunn, Monk. We saw a little bit of Anthony Davis, Halen Horton, Tucker. Like presumably that would be what the team is if God forbid Westbrook and LeBron James are out or they're being rested a certain night. And it's just like, all right, we're fine. You know? For the most right. part. I mean, defensively, there's a lot of kinks to work out, yada, yada. But in terms of... But they're like real players. They're real <laughs> this players. This is not like a yeah. bunch of G League dudes, two-way contract, whatever type of guys. And, and look, this is also, obviously, at the start of preseason, you're not going to be running a ton of sets, although we saw some pretty nice ones run for Wayne Ellington. But for the most part, we know Frank Vogel's a guy who, even over the course of a whole 82-game regular season, probably won't be implementing so many sets. But with this team you don't really need them, you know, set some screens, some yeah. solid screens and let the guys cook, you know, and, and play off of each other's, you know, energy and creativity and all that stuff. So a uh, very fun first glimpse at this team. And we're going to see the extent and totality of how fun and lit it can be hopefully on Wednesday. So with that said, we will catch you guys next time. And Alan, uh, yeah, I'll catch you when we finally see Westbrook in a freaking Lakers jersey. It's crazy. So the one last thing I'll add here too, because I know we didn't talk to you after, you know, media day, um, yeah. but it must be so infectious for you. But I think for all of us as fans to, I think when you see Westbrook's excitement to be a Laker and you saw him enter the tunnel and look around the Lakers stadium and just be like, damn, you know, this is, this is really it. I'm finally here it almost makes you appreciate being a Laker fan even more to see this guy, you know, a hall of famer, potential hall of famer be this floored and excited that you're like oh man yeah i guess it is really great to be a lakers fan and i shouldn't take it for granted because this guy who's supposed to be you know like one of the big three is just forever kind of reminding us that what a privileged position to be in so yeah that is a really good point i mean we all i'm sure at this point have read the quote about not wanting to go to the clippers even though that's technically (laughs) still playing at home right he's like hell not i'm not going there and um you know if it even if it weren't such an extreme case as the clippers in their history he'd still want to be on the lakers right because that's who he grew up you know rooting for and everything so um you're absolutely right i mean what makes it even more surreal to me is just seeing lebron 
and Russ sitting next yeah. to each other on the bench, just right next to each other. You know, I mean, how many times have these guys been in all-star games and Olympics and everything with each other? Obviously, the one picture of the six potential Hall of Famers from Media Day. It's like, yeah, you know, blow. crack all the jokes you want about like, oh, this is like 2012, 2013, whatever. Um, it's insane. Like, I, we've never seen something like this before, and they're all legitimate contributors, too. Um it's incredibly surreal. It's it's so exciting. And um, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right about not taking this uh, kind of a thing for granted because we l- literally probably will never see this sort of thing happen again. But then again, with the Lakers, you never know. We might. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, <laughs> like, <it's>, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun to be in the moment and many more lit moments to come. So yeah, we'll talk to you guys, you know, at some point during preseason. But so far, I'm just looking so much looking forward to Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James. For some reason, I'm very excited to see Carmelo Anthony hit that first jab step, pull up mid range shot in a Lakers jersey. That's going to be the most surreal feeling. Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Wild stuff. And I think we're going to continue to keep saying that. Isn't that so wild? Isn't that so mind blowing? Like throughout the season. And we're very much looking forward to it. Uh, With that said, we will catch you guys next time. Follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. And please rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. And yeah, Alan, I'll let you go. See you, man. All right, man. Later. Peace. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.